But if you would shift your focus, you would see things differently. You would see that even in the midst of problems, there is purpose. Even in the midst of misery, there is a message. Even in the midst of burdens, there are blessings. Welcome to the Mission Driven Podcast, the show designed to empower, educate, and encourage you to stay focused and committed to your mission. I'm your host, AC Cristales. Let's get ready to roll. Thank you so much for joining me on the Mission Driven Podcast. I'm your host, AC Cristales, and today I'm excited because this is my first interview away from the Dallas area. And so, you know, we keep progressing, we keep moving forward, and I'm just excited about, you know, who I'm going to have on today as my guest. I actually met her last month when I was presented at the AMIT conference, and the AMIT conference is a conference geared for migrant educators in the state of Texas. So without further ado, I have Destiny Chavaria in the house. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited awesome. to be here. Very good. You're not nervous, are you? Just a little bit, but it's it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. It's all good. Thank you so much for just your willingness to share what you do with migrant students. I'm sure this is going to benefit a lot of people, not just people who work with migrant students or ELL students, but just students in general, because I'm sure some of the things that you're going to share are just best practices and what we can do to you know reach out to our parents, reach out to our students. So again, Definitely. thank you for that. So let's just go ahead and get into it. Um, tell us a little bit about your background, educational background, family background. Yeah, so I currently live in Lubbock, Texas, and I work for Region 17 as an educational specialist, um, like I said, with Migrant and Title III, which is bilingual ESL. I was born and raised in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, I come from a family of five. My brother and sister are actually 15 and 16 years older than me. Okay. So I was um, kind of raised as an only child uh, later on with two sets of parents, basically because of the age difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but I attended elementary through high school in the Tempe area, which is near Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Um, graduated from there. Um, after graduation, I moved to San Angelo, Texas uh, to attend Angelo State University. I got my degree in interdisciplinary studies, so in education. And right after graduation, moved to Lubbock, Texas, where I got my first teaching job as a kindergarten teacher, was which was a little nerve-wracking, mm-hmm. but uh, it was it was great. Uh, did that for a while, and then moved over to be the ESL teacher and the dual language interventionist um, at our dual language campus. And so I did intervention with kiddos in reading and in math in both English and in Spanish from grades K through 5. And then a year and a half ago, I was very lucky to receive my position that I have now at the ESE. Okay, and what, tell us a little bit about what you do at the ESE. So, so and before we go there, I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, so tell fine. us, you know, maybe, again, because we'll have listeners from, you know, other parts of, of the United States. So what's ESE? So the ESE is an education service center. Okay. So Texas uh, has 20 region centers um, kind of broken up into different areas, and we are meant to be support um, for the school districts. As we know, the school districts have a lot going on um, in the educational world, and so we are trained by the Texas Education Agency, and then we disseminate that out to the districts um, and help with workshops, uh, accountability, the business side of things, um, anything that the schools may need. 
So I'm in the, the Region 17 area, which is um, located in Lubbock, and then we encompass lots of districts from there, um, two hours south of us and north and east. Okay, very good, very good. So I'm going to go back just a little bit. So you're working as an interventionist, yeah, uh, interventionist, correct? Mm -hmm. And so then this opportunity came up. Now, had you had um, prior background experience working with migrant students? Only as far as when I was growing up um, that I was aware of it. Okay. But as far as when I was in the educational system, I did not. Okay. Um, I was doing the ESL bilingual, which now I know there's a lot of similarities with, within the programs. Um, but I knew a lady who was friends with my current coordinator now and they were looking for somebody and she recommended me for the position and I really honestly I didn't think that I was going to get it um, mm -hmm. but a lot of people were pushing me to go for it and to try and so I went and interviewed and I was offered the position. That's awesome very good yeah. so that's, that speaks much about you you Thank know. You. So what you know besides you know people pushing you for this position what led you to want to work with migrant students i mean obviously you knew what the position entailed and yeah. whatnot so what yeah. what kind of you know what was your okay you know i want to work with migrant students yeah so um i loved to research things obviously to make sure that i'm well aware of you know what what's best for students and whatnot and when i was looking into migrant education i saw all of the similarities within the program that I still wanted to do while I was in the educational system as far as working with families um, that come from challenging backgrounds who their children may face barriers that other students may not uh, face. A lot of our population in the Lubbock area that are migrant are ELs and so I was still going to be able to help in that area. That's a huge passion of mine. Um, because I'm able to speak that language, and it was my first language, mm -hmm. um, I, I feel like it's, it's my duty to use that if I'm able to use that. And um, luckily with the position that I have now, I can still do that and help families. Very good. So E-L-L or E-L, so, English language learners, <laughs> English learners. Is yeah, that, so okay. it's, all, it's all the same. Um, just recently in the past year, we've, um, through TEA, and we've moved to being English learners. Okay, so, so I'm, I got it wrong. E I'm sorry about that. No, you're not wrong. Because yeah, I'm just, like E-L-L. <laughs> Even today, I was like E-L-L. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, it's not wrong. It's just, shift, just shifting. It's just shifting yeah. a little bit. All right, very yeah. good. So you mentioned that, right? You mentioned some of the, the similarities between migrant students and bilingual students or ESL students. Um, but you also touched on there are challenges that this specific group of students, migrant students, face. So mm -hmm. can you tell the listener a little bit of those challenges? Yeah, so um, migrant, edu migrant education is for families who have worked in agriculture. Um, they move in order to follow the crop season um, in and out of the state of Texas. Um, in our area, we have a huge cotton um, population, they work in the gins and whatnot, but then families migrate migrate either south or to other states depending on the crop that they normally work in. And so some of the challenges that come with that, obviously as a kiddo, is you move, you constantly move um, throughout the school year. And um, as you move, our learning gaps become greater. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the families also like for their children to work 
in the field as well. It's a huge, you know, it's a family thing, and um, we we call it the asadon in mm-hmm. Spanish, you know, working out in the fields. And so priorities are a little different, okay. um, and I completely understand that. And so when the families move, like I said, the, the, the learning gaps become greater, and so some of the challenges that the students face are language barriers and then also kind of falling behind. Um, they become greater in the high school age because of graduation requirements. And so the students are having to almost play catch up um, to make up those those credits. And so the migrant department has a credit recovery program and things like that, but those are those are just some of the some of the challenges that our students face. Okay, very good. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and I'm just curious right now, as, as I was listening to you talk about the challenges and the students, because that's something that I, you know, live in, in Dallas, growing up in Dallas, you know, obviously a big metropolitan area. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being in schools around the Dallas area, I don't really hear a lot about migrant students or, you know, the struggles and the challenges. So thank you for sharing that information. Mm-hmm. But I was also thinking, how many students roughly are we talking about? that you know with within your area i'm sure you can only talk within your area yes yeah um so with region 17 we have about 1400 students wow that's a lot yeah see i would have never thought that i would have been like oh maybe 100 yeah 1400 wow (laughs) so west texas is a little different (laughs) Uh from the dallas area so we have lots of open land and lots lots of agricultural you know areas that we work in with watermelon and whatnot um, region 16, which is up north from us in Amarillo, they are also a big, they also have a big migrant population. Mm-hmm. And then down south in region one, um, they also have, they're, they're a big population of migrant families. Okay, wow. So there's a lot. There's a lot. There's, All right. Yeah. So why is helping this group of students and parents important to you? Because of the fact that our students face those challenges when they're moving. I feel like it's my responsibility to obviously help when I can. And if they're in our area for a certain amount of time, then I need to be able to help them and um, find any resources that they may need. A lot of our families don't know about what's available for them. And because we're in an area that's pretty rural, we we have a few Spanish-speaking staff members at the districts. Um, but not a lot all the time. And so kind of going back to that native language, um, I do feel like it's my responsibility to be able to assist um, when I can. And so it's not our district's you know, fault or anything that mm-hmm. they don't have somebody available to be there. And so I, I kind of step in and, and help in that area. Very good. So you kind of provide that, um, you know, you're that advocate, right? You're that advocate yes. and, you know, especially for the Latino culture, most of the time they see somebody who looks like them, you know, yes. they have the, the, the brown skin or whatever, and they ask you if you, you speak Spanish and you say yes. So right there automatically, okay, I feel comfortable with this yes. person. I'm able yes. to express to this person some of my concerns, you know, about my, about my child or, or whatnot. So exactly. I, I can see that. Very good. So this podcast, right, mission driven, you know, it's all about having our life's mission. How does that connect or align to what you do and again you know as you've talked about it you've kind of mentioned you know there's this responsibility to you have that you have excuse me but in looking at okay here's my mission right this is what I feel my purpose is this is what I feel why I'm placed on this earth how else does that align to what you do on a daily basis so I really I really feel like 
my life's mission is to build capacity. Okay. Um, so whether that be building capacity within our parents, our students, um, our administrators, and our teachers, because of the position that, I, that I'm in, I work more so directly with the teachers and the administrators. Um, but all, I also am very lucky that with some of the smaller districts, I'm still able to work directly with the parents. And so I still feel like I can help them build their capacity as far as parents and what they can provide for their student, for their child, um, things that are out there for them. Um, I That building the capacity, I just want to try and equip educators with the tools that that they need in order to to be successful as educators. Mm-hmm. Um, I you know I'm I'm about a year out of the class, a year and a half out of the classroom, so it's still pretty fresh for me. And letting them know that I understand the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they've they've got huge classes, students in multiple programs and whatnot. And if I can do a little bit of that legwork for them and help in any way possible, that that just makes me so happy that I can do that for them. Very good. That's good. That's awesome. So in terms of, of helping, you know, let's say a teacher has, you know, five migrant students or three migrant students, what are some of the things that, that you'd help them with? So kind of what we do first is kind of look at, um, see what the student is either struggling in. They may not even be struggling in something. Um, we just want to push them. It's not always obviously about a struggle. Not every migrant student is going to have that learning gap. Um, so it's also being able to provide more support in order to push them farther. Um, but there's multiple programs that obviously a student can fall under and no no program is better than another. It's mm-hmm. just if, if our student is migrant, then we have migrant funds and resources available to them. So some of those things may be tutoring that's specific to them. So it's built for them and around them. Um, counseling, it's, you know, we provide not just the instructional pieces, but social and emotional, which is huge also for our families um, because they're so busy that sometimes they, they just need a little bit of, of support there and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, we can provide books, um, just basically anything that Very the good. students may need. Resources, right? Yeah. I mean, sometimes they just don't have the resources, or and sometimes right. they just don't know where they can go to get that. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Very good. So you mentioned something um, when, when you started about sometimes, and correct me if I'm wrong, sometimes, you know, migrant families don't view education or the importance of education or value education the way, you know, other families do. Okay, am I correct in, in saying that? Yes. Okay, so how do you stress that importance to them? How do you, you know, because you talk about building capacity, and I love that you said that. So how do you, you know, try to instill that, right, that, hey, this is important, education mm-hmm. is important, because, so I, I love movies, by the way, so I have to, let me just <laughs> say this real quick. So uh, one of the movies that I love um, is McFarlane USA, right? So the migrant workers, and the scene that always stands out to me is, where you know the runner is saying he wants to go to college, and he's saying, "Hey, you know, Coach Coach White saying that I can go to college." And the dad says, "You know, you need to get your head out of those books. You know, you're never gonna do that." Mm-hmm. That that always stands out to me. So, do you see something like that, or is that just Hollywood? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's Hollywood. Sorry, AC. Oh, man. No. I'm sorry. Look <laughs> no, at that. no, no, just kidding. Yeah, um, it's it's not an easy task, obviously, mm-hmm. um, but it kind of 
with everything else, that trust, those relationships that we build with the parents, it, it goes a long way. Um, and I know that you know that. Um, but being there for the family and gaining their trust first and letting them know that you're there for their for their child to help them. Um, you know, you're not just there to have another form filled out to slap a label on a, you know, a mm-hmm. kiddo and whatnot. You're, you're there for the well-being of them and not pushing anything on them. You're just there if they need you. And, um, you know, like you say, keeping it real with them <laughs> and letting them see that you're just, you know, you're just another person and you're, you're, you're there for them. Um, and then also explaining, explaining the program to them. Um, a lot of times there's confusion even outside of our migrant families who do the migrant work. Um, there's a big confusion with migrant and immigrant. Uh-huh. And so taking the time to explain the program to them and knowing that, letting them know that it's built for them. It's, you know, it's appreciative that they do all of this work. So this program is built to help them um, while they're migrating and doing that agricultural work. And then I think also with goals. So helping the family create goals um, for their for their kids. And again, sometimes that, that first goal is to graduate. Okay. You know, not just graduate, but at that time it may feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, just letting them know that we want their kiddo to graduate and that we'll help them get there. And then what comes after that? We'll, you know, we'll, we'll get there. Okay. If they want to continue, we will be there every step of the way. Obviously, we, we want them to keep going, mm-hmm. um, but just letting them know that there's there's one step first, the okay. graduation. That's good. That's good. And just, you know, kind of just showing them that, okay, this is the first step. Let's, let's take care of this. And like you yeah. said, you know, if we want to you want to continue, you can do that. But I also remember, you know, doing some work with um, Region 16 and, mm-hmm. and talking about, okay, so maybe higher ed is not not for you right so maybe you're not going to go to college but you can go into like welding right right you can go into plumbing you can go into you know the other trades that you can do so that's definitely important so i'm curious right why do in your opinion you know based on your experience working with migrant families why do you think there's a pushback on education why do you think you know there's kind of like ah well maybe you know my son or daughter will go to college or maybe why do you think that's the case I think it's because parents don't always know. Okay. Um, again, at least in the Region 17 area, some of our families migrate from Mexico to do the to, to work in agriculture. Um, so they're already coming into a new situation um, culturally, and I mean, I'm I can definitely attest to that as far as my parents not knowing the things that were available to us in high school. My sister had to pretty much figure that out. And because she was so much older than me, um, luckily she was able to share that with me and push me to be in clubs and sports and whatnot. And so education in itself is so different in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And so I think our parents just don't know. And sometimes they are just, they're trying to provide for their families, which again is commendable and I completely understand. And so I don't think it's necessarily that there's pushback. It's just unawareness okay, very of good. what's you know what's out there and the importance of it. Um, I know that families when they come over they they know okay my my child needs to go to school, but then that's it. 
Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I, don't, I just don't think it's been explained to them and, you know, kind of put into terms that way. Or even the awareness of what else is possible, right? Right, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Good. All right. Yeah. Good. Thank you. So obviously, you know, you need to get, you know, suit, uh, not students, but parents to participate and want to be involved and whatnot. So uh, what are some ways that you, you know, encourage parent participation and make sure that, like you said, this is more than just filling out a form. We're really, really here to help. And you mentioned the importance of building trust, mm-hmm. but what are some other things that, you know, you and, and your region do to just make sure, hey, we want to get as many parents in here yeah. because the more we get them in here, the more we can make them aware. Exactly. Yeah. So while we're, you know, building those relationships with families, you start to get to know them. Um, that's part of, you know, building a relationship. And so when we create meetings, we want to make sure that they're built for them. So we're either asking them for feedback, um, and we we have definitely seen, luckily, a growth in our parent meetings, um, but they weren't always, you know, big. Uh, we're pretty far from a lot of our districts, like I said, two hours. Um, we've learned now to hold our meetings at a more localized location. Mm-hmm. It was just always done that way where it was, you know, in Lubbock. But obviously as we started going, we're like, that that doesn't work for parents all the time. Mm-hmm. They're having to take off or, um, you know, we're, we're having them travel. And so making sure that we build workshops or meetings for them and not just I guess the word is preaching to them Uh you know including them and um, building things that they could do with their kids or their families you know at home Um, also making sure to provide those resources that are in their community so it's specifically built for them Um, we don't ever want to waste our parents' time. We don't want to waste anybody's time. Um, And so I think parents see that. They see that when it's it's something valuable to them, then they don't feel like their time is wasted. That's good. And we've, we've, we've definitely seen a growth in our, in our meetings, which, which is exciting. Um, They start to work together. They tell, you know, we're, in the Hispanic community, we we tell everybody, yeah, yeah. you know, word of mouth. We're like, hey, this is pretty good. That Destiny yeah. girl. No, I'm just kidding. She's great. <laughs> no. That's good. I like what you said, though. You know, you you asking for feedback, and yeah, so many definitely. times I think, you know, as as school administrators, teachers, leaders, whatever, you know, it's it's kind of like, okay, we're gonna do this program, but we don't get the feedback of the people we're trying to serve. Exactly. So, yeah. so you know, and one of the things that I've said before is like. The more I know you, the better I can serve you. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's yeah. great that that you guys get that feedback and actually, you know, you know, you adapt and you're flexible to make sure that you're serving them. That's yeah. awesome. And we're we're always learning, just yeah, alongside sure. of everybody. So yeah, for sure, very good. So, in terms of just um, working with students too, because again, like you say, they they go from from school to school sometimes, and I'm sure you know the minute they get comfortable in a school, bam, they have to leave. So how do you, what are some of the tips that you may give teachers to say, hey, this is how we can support students who, this is what their journey looks like. You know, they're only here for a couple of months. How do we support them? So a lot of that is with um, another piece that you always, you know, touch on is communication. Okay. And so making sure 
again, tied to the relationships of if the family has uh, trusted you and built that, you know, rapport with you, most of the time they let us know when they're planning to, to leave. Okay. So if we know that they're um, leaving us soon and we know where they're going, then we can we can already go ahead and contact either that region or that district, let them know what we've been doing for the for the child and you know what are some strengths and weaknesses if they have them and not so much weaknesses but just you know where where their gaps are that we may mm-hmm. need to help and just kind of letting them know what we've been doing so hopefully that's something that can continue where they're going um, we have um, I'm going to do a shout out to TMIP which is <laughs> Texas Migrant Interstate Program um, which is between the between all the states so okay. in the US um, a lot of our students move to Minnesota, you know, all, all sorts of places. Oh, really? So yes. they'll go yeah. all the way up there? Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, not, okay. just, not just in Texas. And so, um, which is something I didn't hit on before, but with that, that comes another another challenge and barrier for a kiddo of we've got our state-mandated exam. Um, we've got all of our different types of, you know, teaching styles here. But when they leave and go to another state, it's completely different, wow. completely different. And they do it, which is where those, you know, the um, the graduation requirements, those are different too. So when they come and go, they either lose credits or, you know, they're missing something. And so if you think about that, you know, as, as an adult, you, you know, you're going to have to work twice as hard, um, do classes that you may have already started, but then they don't count here. Mm-hmm. And so... I, I mean, I personally could see how that could, you know, it make me not enjoy school. Yeah, definitely. And so... Not only that, but they're... And I don't mean to, to, no, you know, yeah. to cut in, but I'm just thinking just the culture, right? So I'm yeah. here in Texas and, you know, whatever, you know, Texas is nice, you know, southern hospitality. But then I go up north and it's totally different. Wow, okay. <laughs> Which they're nice there too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm, no, I mean, I'm stereotyping and generalizing. No, but no, you know what I'm talking it's about. It's different. Just the yes, culture, yeah, it's different. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure, you know, people who move from California to Texas, it's like, oh, this is totally yes, different. Something so, different. Yeah. yeah, so when you think about that, I mean, as as a kid, you're you're going through so much. Um, we, You know, you've got your own family situations. Everybody's got their own You've got school to worry about, but then you're also having to go out and work in the fields and, and, you know, in the summer and, you know, you don't enjoy it. And so there's just, there's a lot, there's a lot that our kiddos have to have to face. And so with TMIP, they, they do a great job of being that middle person to help us communicate with the other states. So we keep track of the student, we mark where they're going. So the state knows ahead of time. Um, this kiddo, this family may be coming to you. So that communication piece, I think, is huge. Um, it's obviously not a perfect world. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always happen. And so if we can at least, if we've built those relationships with the parents and we don't know where they're moving to next, but we, we show them what we work on with the students, our hope is that, again, we've built that capacity for our parents that when they get to the next school, they'll share that or they'll find somebody that they feel comfortable with to share what their child was working on wherever they were at before. Okay, very good, very good. And so is this MIP, did I, am I saying it correct? TMIP. TMIP, mm-hmm. is it, but is it like, there? does every state in the United States have it? No, unfortunately not. So t- TMIP is located in Texas. Okay. Um, 
and I don't have the exact number okay. in front of me. There's <laughs> there's certain states that are in <clears throat> that program, uh, that cohort, cohort almost. Okay. Yeah, that pro and that word is probably wrong too. I'm sorry yeah. if somebody's <laughs> listening. Um, but yeah, so there's there's certain states that that are that are family states with us, and I believe the way that that we've had those states join are because of the trends. So where our students move to, okay. Either as a receipt, we're either a receiving district from them or we're ascending okay. state. So, yeah. Very good. Yeah. Very good. And I, I'm glad you're talking about it because, you know, again, not only awareness for the parents, but I think awareness for just individuals as well, right. like myself and, or anybody who's listening to this podcast. Maybe you're in education and just understanding that, man, you know, there could be a student or there could be a kid in my class who is going through all this and I don't even know. Yeah, exactly. And I can't even imagine. Yeah. You know? yeah, and my hope, you know, is I know we're we're talking about migrant education, but like you know, like we were saying, there's there's different programs that our students fall under. Um, and my hope is that no matter what the program is, that that program can help the teacher, you know, be um, more successful in the classroom, the child and the family. And so yeah, that awareness of sometimes we just don't know. And so if you've got a kiddo in your class that you know you may think needs something, maybe find out what other programs are available for them, or you know things like that. So definitely, I mean, because it, it'll definitely help you know teachers and educators better serve their students as well. Because yeah. again, sometimes we think, well, they're all like this, you know, or they all celebrate this way, or whatever, right? right. With, you know, whether they're their norms and values, and sometimes it's not, man. I mean, right. Like there's things. There are things that they're going through that we have no idea. Exactly. Yeah. Very good. All it takes is to ask. Just communication. We talked <laughs> yeah, about that, exactly, right? We talked yeah. about that in, in the session yeah. this morning. So communication. Yeah. And I always tell I always tell my teachers that there's if you want to, you know, purchase something or you, you're thinking that the student may benefit from something, just you know, simply ask. And yeah. all we can say is no, but we can find other ways, you know, donations or whatnot, but it never hurts to ask. Just Very ask. good. Yeah. Very good. Well, you seem like you're really into this program. You've been in education. You chose to be in education. So why don't you tell the listener one of your most proudest professional moments? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try not to cry. No, it's just, I'm not, <laughs> it's I don't, okay. They can't see cry. you. We we should. You know what? We should, next time we need a video. Take no, but, but okay. Yes. Um, so at at the dual language campus um, that I was at, we had our teachers, um, K through pre-K through five, that were um, dual language certified. Um, other than that, outside of the classroom, it was pretty much just me um, as the interventionist. Our other teachers um, didn't have the, the Spanish language, and um, so that includes speech and dyslexia and all that, and they were all great, and we all worked together and communicated with each other in order to help the kiddos, but um, we had one student that um, would come and go from our school to another district, and he struggled, um, not just because of the moving. Um, there was some other things, you know, going on. And when the student came back, I kind of talked to the mom and started to build that relationship with her, and we're still great friends to this date. Um, but she expressed that, she wanted to help her 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 little boy she didn't know how and she just felt like at every school that she would when they would move kind of just shut her down 
Um, and that's just probably how she personally felt. Um, but after kind of building that trust with her and, you know, making sure to let her know that I wanted to find what we could do to help her little boy, she didn't want to move anymore. So they stayed. Um, that was in second grade and it took some, you know, collecting data and working with the kiddo. Um, you know, everybody said that he wasn't going to pass a star mm -hmm. and he shouldn't be in dual language because now he's having to learn the academic piece in both Spanish and English, which that's a challenge in itself. Those kiddos, you know, they, they work hard. Um, but he started coming to me for intervention and we would stay after school for tutoring, sometimes do some morning things. And he grew so much because that's what he needed instead of just, you know, slapping a label on him and yeah. saying that he had a learning disability, it was just filling those gaps, filling those gaps that he missed somewhere, you know, not by anybody's fault, but just kind of missed them there. And um, teaching him the phonics and all of that, you know, strategies that he could do. And and that following year, he passed his star and awesome. went on to fourth grade and passed it again. And yeah. so that was really... That was that was huge for me. That's I great. Was really proud so of how's, how's he doing now? He's great. He's in uh, eighth grade, I believe now. So eighth grade already. Yeah. Huh? yeah. Very Playing good. the tuba, I believe, and okay. Yeah. That's so awesome. Go out to lunch with his mom sometimes and catch up. So that's great. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. So you have a platform, right? The the you know the teachers you serve, the parents you serve, the students you serve. What do you feel are the two, two to three most important things that you want to share with them so being in the in the position that I am that I'm in I do feel like I have different um, communities I guess in that platform I've got you know the parent side and then I've got the the actual education educators and administrators um, but for my parents the most important thing that I I hope that they take and that I make them feel and Hopefully this doesn't sound cheesy, but <laughs> is that si se puede. I mean, yep. no matter what, you can do it. And Say that again. In Spanish? Yeah, in Spanish. Si se puede. Si se puede. Si se puede. Right. Yeah, <laughs> super cheesy, but I, that is also something that as when I taught and when I was in the classroom, yeah. the kiddos and I would, would say it to each other. So I'm kind of going to, I'm going to continue that, you know, with, yeah, with, with whatever work that I'm doing, but just knowing that that their their child is capable of anything that another student may have just because they're migrating or you know they're they may feel like there's a stigma with working in agriculture that it's not you know important or what whatever it may be uh, that it doesn't matter that I'm there for them um, there's all sorts of great educators that are out there for them and so just letting them know that um, as far as the administrator side of it is just the simple awareness of it. Mm -hmm. um, that was a big, you know, surprise, kind of like we've been talking about, is was just not knowing yeah. what migrant education meant. It was just, um, it wasn't explained to them. And that's, again, nobody's fault. But now that I'm in the role, I want to make sure that everybody in the school district is aware of what migrant education is. And again, I, I do, I work with EL students as well with Title III. And so same goes for that, um, you know, just, the awareness of that and what it means, um, what the process is, you know, the steps and on how to help and whatnot. But, and then just 
overall overall awareness outside of the outside of education but people who don't work you know maybe directly with students but even in a business or whatever Mm -hmm. but just letting them know what migrant means in comparison to immigrant and that it's not the same very good all right so Look, you made it. How you feeling? We did. We yeah, we made it. <laughs> that was fun. That I, was fun. I it went by quick it. too, right? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Very good. But before we go, is there anything else you want to share? Maybe there's a question that I didn't ask that goes with what you do with the migrant education that you just want to. I mean, this is your time. It's your time to shine. <laughs> no, I think it was, I mean it was great. I I do really appreciate you you having me. I know you have lots of options, and um, it's it's an honor to be here, and I enjoy listening to it. I hope you're your listeners enjoyed it and hopefully gather sure, something. For sure. If anybody has any questions, I do not mind answering them or, um, and like I tell the teachers, if I don't know, I will find out for you. Okay. So if anybody yeah, So go ahead and give people the information when they can reach out to you. And Okay. Um, so my name is Destiny Chavaria. So my email is dchavaria. You may want to spell it for them. I was kind of looking at you. (laughs) I was kind of looking at you. Okay, so my email is dchavaria, D-C-H-A-V-A-R-R-I-A, at E-S-C, the number 17, dot net. And um, I'm more than happy, happy to help with anything. Awesome. Very good. Real quick, though, and I know this is kind of putting you on the spot. Are there any, do you know any websites where people can, you know, find information on migrant education? Yes. Are there specific websites? Yeah. So um, there's a migrant portal that's available to anybody, and it's got links to it, um, to parent resources, um, teaching, teaching things, and some of it may be specific to Texas. Which is fine. That's just fine. But um, I don't have the the link in front of me. No, it's I okay. Can't say All right, it. very uh, good. But You're good. Maybe just Google. You go- yeah, Google. Google it. migrant <laughs> portal. We might need to cut this part out. Um, <laughs> no, we're good. We're good. We we're rolling. Migrant portal, though. Okay. Yes, there's a migrant portal for that. But again, if you you would like to look at that and can't find it, um, just email me and I will send you the direct link once when, when I have it right oh, in front of me. Very good. Thank oh. you so much. Well, Dustin, thank you so much again thank for you. your willingness thank to you. share. Thank you for speaking from your heart. And again, as I always say, whenever you speak from the heart, you're always going to find listeners. So thank you so much. Thank you. That about wraps up another episode of the Mission Driven Podcast. I hope you were able to take some great information from Destiny. I truly believe that this was an informative episode, especially if you work with migrant students. But if you don't, you know, For me, you know, one of the things that I took from the episode, and I know that I mentioned it in the interview, was just the importance of just being aware with what your students go through. Because, again, the better you know your students, the better you're able to serve them. So, you know, whether you work with migrant students or not, again, it's just so important for us to get to know our students, get to know our parents, and that way we can better serve them. And speaking with Destiny off the air, um, she wanted me to just make sure to reiterate this this fact and that's that you know there are region service centers and i'm sure there are programs within each specific school district that can provide you know even services for three to five year old students who may not be enrolled in school but still need the assistance because again you know they're migrant students so if anything you know if you're working with migrant students just go and search for information uh, talk to your nearest region service centers if you're in the texas area and just find that information uh, and those resources that can benefit 
your students and your parents. So again, thank you, Destiny, for being a guest on the Mission Driven Podcast show. So as we get closer to the end of 2019, I just want to let you guys know that there's only one episode remaining for 2019, and that'll be dropped next Monday. And I'm excited about the episode. It'll be a solo podcast show. So you guys be on the lookout for that for next week. And as always, if you're listening to the podcast, you're enjoying it, please rate us five stars, right? Five stars, rate us on Apple Podcasts. If you're on Spotify, make sure you hit that follow button. If you're on YouTube, like the video, subscribe, rate, review. Again, share this podcast with your friends, with your families. As always, I appreciate your support so much. Remember that the mission continues, so remain mission-driven. And as always, faith, hope, love. Thank you.